Let's talk some English Premier League football. Uh, Manchester United, Tottenham Hotspur, didn't really care about this game, to be perfectly honest. It ended up being a two-all draw. Uh, earlier today, Everton and Aston Villa played out a nil-all draw. BBC football commentator Andy Buckley joins us on the programme out of the UK. Evening to you, Andy. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you very much. As a Liverpool fan, and you have been a hardcore Manchester City fan, did we care about the Manchester United Spurs result? Uh, yeah, I do actually. Yeah, um, and just to watch it as a spectacle, really, because uh, it is a classic English fixture, uh, and it didn't disappoint. To be honest with you, uh, Manchester United didn't disappoint because it was true to form in terms of the way that they played. No identity, no organisation, uh, and in the English press, uh, they're getting slaughtered at the moment because uh, this is, they're just drifting. Really, uh, the new partial owner. Sir Jim Ratcliffe was there, uh, sat alongside Sir Alex Ferguson in the director's box. The first time he's seen uh, uh, the team since uh, his takeover, yet to be ratified, of course, by the Premier League. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens at Old Trafford. Uh, but the inquest into what's gone wrong at Manchester United is going to be in depth. It already has been. It's such a worldwide institution. But uh, And I thought Spurs did pretty well, actually, considering they've got... Uh, Quite a few players out. Uh, Hyungmin Sons at the, the Asian Cup. Uh, Kulosevsky was out ill. Um, Madison's injured as well. So there were shorn of a few players, Tottenham. And Manchester United still couldn't sort of produce anything to uh, convince anybody that, that they're on the way back. But uh, it's going to be a long, hard road for United. But you as a Liverpool fan, me as a Manchester City fan, obviously um, we've got a passing interest in that picture <laughs> because uh, they're, they're below us in the table. Yeah, uh, I just want to talk about Richarlison uh, came from Everton, seems to have responded well under uh, Ange Postacoglu, starting to play some good football, starting to score a lot of goals for Spurs. Yeah, very much so. Uh, I do like uh, Postacoglu. I think he, he's got a bit something about him and I think English football's really taken to him. And certainly the way that Spurs uh, play, uh, they've always been a, an entertaining side, not always a winning team. And, um, you know, I'd like to think that Spurs could do something this season, whether it's getting the Champions League or, or maybe winning the FA Cup, play Manchester City a week on Friday. Um, and uh, that's going to be a fascinating, the tie of the round, I suppose, fascinating fixture in, in the fourth round of the FA Cup. But um, yeah, yeah, they've done well, Spurs. And uh, and and, and the, the, the contrast between him and Eric Ten Hag is that Ten Hag's been there a year longer than Postacoglu. And yet Postacoglu, you look at his team and you think, yeah, they've got something about them. They've got some style. They've got some rhythm. Uh, they, they play to a set pattern, uh, and it's an attacking pattern as well. Whereas Manchester United are just completely devoid. They're clueless. They are absolutely clueless when it. You just don't know what you're going to get from them. You don't know what you're looking for, uh, and and yet they've spent as much money as anybody else. How long before Eric Ten Hag goes? Does he go? Well, they're now saying that he's got until the end of the season to prove himself to the to the new owner. And uh, it was interesting to watch Sir Alex Ferguson there uh, talking to him and welcoming him to Old Trafford. And uh, I seem to recall he did exactly the same thing to uh, the Glazers when they took over as well. And of course, he's been on the payroll ever since as an ambassador of the club. Um, so United fans will rip into the Glazers and say, "Well, we've got these American owners who don't care about the club. They've not invested in the. They've invested in the team. They've spent a fortune on the team. They've backed the managers, and they've sacked the managers after they've failed. Uh, and the accusation is that they're still there, but they've not invested in the the stadium, which is going to cost an awful lot of money. Whether you remodel Old Trafford or move to a site adjoining it, 
which is one suggestion, and that's going to cost even more money. But Sir Alex Ferguson was there, cozying up to the new owners. He's been on the Glazers' payroll. He's never criticised the Glazers in all the time he's been there. And yet Fergie, because of all his achievements at Old Trafford, sort of has this... Um, he's, he's, he's untouchable, really, in terms of criticism of uh, his uh, loyalty and allegiance to the ownership. But there he was, sort of uh, mixing with Sir Jim Radcliffe, which I get, you know, if you're going to introduce somebody to Old Trafford, why not get the father figure of United to do it? But um, the problems run deep at Manchester United and uh, they've been overtaken by Liverpool, by Manchester City, by Arsenal at the moment as well, Spurs as well. So United well down in the table. Mm. Okay, 20 games into the season for most of the clubs, two weeks into the new year. Liverpool top of the table, two points ahead of Manchester City. When the season started, if you could have looked through a crystal ball, did you see this performance coming from Liverpool? And did you see maybe just just the odd speed wobble coming from Manchester City? Uh, yeah, I did actually, because I, I, people were saying to me in September when City reeled off successive victories and I was there at Wolves when they uh, got beaten for the first time. I think it was the first... Uh, afternoon actually at the end of September when they actually dropped points uh, and I knew it was going to happen because such is the nature of the Premier League because there's so many teams that you can beat you I was there against Crystal Palace just before Christmas when City were two up cruising absolutely in cruise control and then from nowhere Crystal Palace scored two goals and uh, ended up in a two-all draw and suddenly there in a nutshell was the fascination of the English game because you just can't predict how it's going to go I think Liverpool are at Bournemouth, aren't they, next weekend when City get the weekend off. Um, and, you know, you just it's not a foregone conclusion that Liverpool will win at Bournemouth. It's not a foregone conclusion who's going to win the Premier League. I think it will come from Liverpool and City. I don't think Arsenal, even though they're very in close proximity, I don't think Arsenal, I think they've faded a bit at the moment and I, I can't see them coming back again. I don't think they've got Havertz is getting a lot of stick. I don't think they've got a proven goal scorer, which is what they need. Liverpool will be looking that Mo Salah comes back from the African Cup of Nations as quickly as possible. But but people in Manchester see Liverpool as the big, big danger. And it may be exactly the same from a Merseyside perspective on Manchester, but um, it, it'll be one of the two. And it, it, I know it's stating the obvious who drops the fewest points, but teams will drop points. City will drop more points, which is why beating Newcastle was just so precious. And I think Liverpool will slip up as well. But, but Liverpool are a coming force again. And you can tell that. For Manchester City, Kevin De Bruyne back. Um, boy, he makes just such a big difference to that side, doesn't he? Just such a wonderful player, even at, what, 31 years of age? Oh, unbelievable. I mean, I had a great day at uh, Newcastle on Tyneside. Took the family and uh, lucky enough to get four tickets. Took my granddaughter, took my two sons. Uh, nice meal in Newcastle. Fantastic city. Uh, and then uh, watched a compelling game of football. Absolutely breathtaking, really. And to be in the away end with 3,000 City fans at the top, to hear that uh, Lee stand opposite the Gallagate end at Newcastle, overlooking the whole of Tyneside. You can see the bright lights in Newcastle in the distance um, as the sun set and the game kicks off. And then City, irresistible. The control, really that goal from Bernardo, Silva was absolutely breathtaking. It really was. And then you, you saw some other quality goals as well. Isaac scored a great goal. Anthony Gordon. Suddenly Newcastle from nowhere, 2-1 up. And then at half-time thinking, oh, going to be a defeat. Mark Watson, Liverpool fan, he's going to be rubbing it in. He's going to make it even worse for me. The journey home from 
uh, back to Manchester is going to be a bit grim. And then Kevin De Bruyne comes on with his new look haircut, his long uh, flowing locks, and then he produces that magic. And only him can do that. I mean, and it provokes a big debate on social media. I was looking at it on my way home, saying who's the best Premier League player? Uh, is it Gerrard? Is it Scholes? Is it Lampard? And maybe they're all tinged towards blue, all the followers that I've got. And they were saying, no, it's got to be Kevin De Bruyne. What do you think, Mark? Do you think, where would you, where do you put De Bruyne with Lampard? Yeah, with Gerard, I, I think, look, I think De Bruyne is certainly there. I, I, I'm still a little bit in favour of Gerard because I'm not sure that he necessarily had the best sides around him at the time. I'm not sure that he was necessarily, um, again, it's my Liverpool bias. I'm not going to pretend, but I'm yeah. not sure that he necessarily played consistently in championship winning sides or he just had, you know, star after star supporting him and assisting him and helping him. And I think he carried that Liverpool team a little bit more. But look, I think with Kevin De Bruyne, I think you need time, don't you? I think you need 10 years after a player finishes to sit back and really and truly reflect. But, you know, I think Paul Scholes certainly well in the discussion as well. I probably don't put Lampard yeah. up there with the rest of them, but uh, I think certainly Scholes, De Bruyne, um, um, Thierry Henry. I mean, there's been some wonderful players, haven't there, over the years? Oh, there has, and that, that's the golden generation, wasn't it? It was the Lampard, Scholes, Gerrard era that yeah. was supposed to have won England these trophies. And City fans, obviously a former City manager, Sven Joran Eriksson, and we chanted his name loudly, of course, for obvious reasons. Yeah. He was diagnosed with cancer, told that he's got less than a year to live. So a lot of warmth, actually, to be honest with you, with uh, in English football, per se, for, for um, the lovable Lothario, shall we say, Sven Joran Eriksson mm-hmm. and I saw in the paper today there was a suggestion because he's, he's a Liverpool fan Sven and he said I've always I always fancied managing Liverpool and never got a chance to do it and I noticed that Robbie Fowler suggested that let's have a legends match and let's get Sven to Anfield and let him manage mm-hmm. a Liverpool legends mm-hmm. in the next 12 months which I think yeah. would be a lovely torch yeah I, I just going back to that question regarding those guys I, I think the Steven Gerrard I think coming back from 3-0 down um, Istanbul, 2005. I think that 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 was the Steven Gerrard. That was that was the influence of him. That goal to win the FA Cup against uh, West Ham. Um, yeah, certainly. Um, uh, yeah, uh, Mourinho wanted him, didn't he, at Chelsea? And uh, I think there was a period of time there, arguably, he was amongst the best players in the world. But yeah, De Bruyne. I, I just think a different type of player too, though, isn't he? And um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he, the thing that stri- strikes me about the Premier League is that basically if you set up to defend and there are some very good teams at it, Brentford's, your Fulham's, um, the, the, there's a whole raft of teams. Nottingham Forest did it against City uh, last time they were at the Etihad. That the, They can set up and they can defend de- very deep. And what you need is, and City haven't had it this season, which is why the, the everybody's sort of welcoming and celebrating De Bruyne's return. They've not got that player who can open up like a tin of beans and just turn around and say, I'm going to play this magic ball through and suddenly you're you're going to be on the back foot and we're going to be through you. And he did it in 20 minutes. He did it four or five times. Suddenly, he just think he electrifies the whole team. And, and to have that galvanising effect on the rest of the players, the whole, I mean, look, Newcastle fans didn't like it. And us as City fans, uh, stood in the cold at Newcastle, just absolutely loved it. But but just to applaud, really, whichever team you support, just to applaud that unique talent. As Guardiola said afterwards, he said, it's not tactics, it's talent that does that. Whatever sport you're talking about, that ability just to... 
you know, if you think of some of the great New Zealand fly half scrum halves, the, the, the men who kind of like decide and shape the game, the quarterback role, if you like, who can just turn around and say, tell you what, I'm going to turn this from a defeat into a victory. Yeah, I, do I, it. I mean, not to the same degree, but I think Louis Diaz brings a little bit of that to Liverpool at times too. Yeah, no, he does. Yeah, yeah. But just the match winners, they are match winners, and which is why they get the big books mm. because basically they they can they can um, overcome, they can they can shape games, they can influence games, mm. and uh, they, they are a joy to watch. I mean that that pass for that goal in stoppage time. Who would have seen? I don't know if you've seen the the goal, the winning goal, but he just. He plays it over the back and then Oscar Bob runs onto it and he had a little bit of a lucky break because it bounced off a Newcastle shin and then suddenly he knocks it in the back of the net. You're just thinking, wow, that, that is just... That will go down as one of my magic moments of, of a season, really, that I suppose has yet to come to life because you know, we've got the Champions League to reach its climax. Um, we've got so much to be decided. The FA Cup, which in English terms, to be honest with you, the fourth round of the FA Cup in a couple of weeks, I sort of... I heard your your uh, jingle before for the summer, and I'm thinking, oh, summer! Oh, if only we could have summer days, because we're in the depths of winter. There's going to mm. be snow on the way this week. It's going to get even colder, Arctic conditions. But as you get to the fourth round of the FA Cup, you get a little bit more light in the sky in England, and it's staying light till five mm. o'clock. And then suddenly, guess what? You're in May, and somebody's in the cup final. And that short English summer that we have, whichever day it happens to fall on, whichever year it is, um, you know, and you're the cup final, and that's it. And the, it's uh, it, it sort of the, the FA Cup in a way kind of is a milestone in the the, the advancement of spring. Don't want to sound a bit too sentimental. <laughs> no, probably am. Hey, just finally, but you know what I mean. Just, just finally, Andy, just an update on Erling Haaland uh, injury status there, and um, talk that he'll be back for the start of February. Is that the general consensus amongst yeah. City fans? Yeah, not rushing him back. I think it's a little bit more troublesome than originally thought. City are going to Abu Dhabi on Wednesday for. Uh, a week before they come back for the Spurs FA Cup game, so they won't rush him back for they might that they might not even rush him back for the FA Cup game. Um, but yeah, hopefully it's nothing too um, serious, and hopefully he'll be back. They do need him. They do need him because there's a couple of those crosses that De Bruyne produced, he would have got on the end of them. Um, but just going back to your point about Liverpool, and Manchester City is going to be an intriguing battle right to the, the finishing line. And I suppose from a Liverpool perspective, having won one title and that title was won in front of an empty cot, wasn't it? Because it was a COVID Premier League title. Liverpool and Klopp will be thinking, well, we need that. We, we really need it. And I, and I get that. And will how will that affect the pressure at Anfield? Having said that, Liverpool have this rare ability among their supporters to kind of uh, inspire. And, and you know, they are a 12th man in every sense of the word, really. Um, you know, so the, the, there's that, and then Manchester City bidding for history because no team has ever won four successive Premier Leagues. Andy Buckley, it's been a privilege and pleasure as always, my good man. I look forward to our discussions. I look forward to the battle. Liverpool sitting top after having played 20 on 45. Manchester City 43. Aston Villa sitting there on 43. They have played the extra game though, and Arsenal rounding out the top four on 40 points. You enjoy your winter, Andy. All the best, Mark. Speak to you soon.